In this recording, we're going to look at the differing views of Rashi and the Ramban in their commentaries on the Torah as to the source for the idea that on Rosh Hashanah we mention Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros. The three major themes of the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah are Malchios, that God is the king, Zechronos, that God remembers everything we do, and Shofros, that the way we symbolize all of this is through the Shofar. So that fits in with the mitzvah of Shofar, which is the Torah's commandment on Rosh Hashanah. So these three themes all tie in with that mitzvah. So we'll see that Rashi and the Ramban have different different views possibly as to where the source for these ideas come from. And that will lead to an important philosophical idea regarding this whole framework. The Torah in Vayikra Chav Gimel Chav Dalid describes Rosh Hashanah as a day of zichron trua, a remembrance of blowing. So this is an unusual phrase because it sounds like you're not actually blowing the shofar, but you're remembering blowing the shofar. So one of the ways of interpreting this is that it's talking about Rosh Hashanah on Shabbos, but there is another way to understand this whole phrase. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Lamed Bezam at Aleph, which is discussing Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros. So it explains that Zichron Trua is a reference to Zichronos. The Zichron is referring to the Zichronos, and the Trua is referring to the Shofros. So we have the concepts of Zichronos and Shofros in this Pasuk. Now, interestingly, Rashi quotes this on the Torah, and he adds, Lizkor Lachem Akedas Yitzchak Shekarev Tachtav Ayel. The remembrance is Akedas Yitzchak, when Avraham was willing to sacrifice Yitzchak, but instead he ended up sacrificing an Ayel. So to remember that sacrifice, we blow the Shofar. So it sounds from Rashi like the idea of Zichronos and Shofros would would be a Torah concept, a deoraisa, because it's included in this phrase of zichron trua. So the Ramban immediately asks on this, first of all, what happened to Malchios? Rashi, and this is based on the Gemara, is only including Zechronos and Shofros in this Pasuk, but what about Malchios? So in fact, the Gemara has two possibilities for the source of Malchios. One is because the Pasuk before this ends with Ani Hashem Elokeichem, I am Hashem, your God. And then it starts talking about Rosh Hashanah. So it's connecting God being the king to Rosh Hashanah. So that's one possibility for the source of Malchios. And the second is a Pasuk in Bamidbar, it's talking about blowing the trumpets in the Beis HaMikdash, and it says, It will be a zikaron, so there's that word, zikronos, in front of Hashem, I am Hashem your God. So again, there's a reference to Malchios. So the Gemara says that we see from this Pasuk that wherever there's Zichronos, there needs to be Malchios. So since there's Zichronos on Rosh Hashanah, there needs to be Malchios as well. So those are the two options. But the issue is that Rashi does not quote the source for Malchios in his commentary on the Torah. So in Rashi, we have a very strange situation where it sounds like Zichronos and Shofros are Daoraisa, whereas Malchios is not. And the Ramban says that certainly cannot be. The Gemara is consistent in providing a source for all three themes, whereas Rashi only gives us a source for Zichronos and Shofros. So that's problem number one with Rashi. The second problem, says the Ramban, is that it seems very clear that Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros saying those Pesukim in the davening is only Durabanan. It's not the Oraisa. And the proof for this is because the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, Lamed Dalid, discusses 
discusses a case where a person can go to one of two shoals. There's two different shoals in different cities. One of them, they know how to blow shofar, but they do not know how to recite the Shemona Esrei. And in the other one, they can recite the Shemona Esrei, but they don't know how to blow shofar. So which one should the person prioritize, the Shemona Esrei or the shofar? So the Gemara says it's obvious that they should go hear the shofar because that's a deoraisa, and the davening, the Shemona Esrei, is only drabanan. So it's very clear from this line in the Gemara that Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros is not Deoraisa. So that's problem number two with Rashi's commentary, that he seems to be implying that Zechronos and Shofros are a Deoraisa. Now, this is a sort of standard debate between Rashi and the Ramban. Rashi in his commentary on the Torah will very often quote an earlier source, a Medrash or a Gemara, which seems to derive a halacha from one of the words in the Torah. So it seems like it's a Doraisa, even though it's actually not. It's really a Drabanan, and that connection to the Pasuk is an Asmachta. The Torah is giving us a hint, it's referencing this halacha, but it's not the actual source for the halacha itself. The halacha is rabbinic. So Rashi will quote those types of sources in order to explain the language of the Torah, whereas the Ramban is much more careful to differentiate between what's the Oraisa and what's the Rabbanan. And we saw this same debate in our recording about blowing shofar on Shabbos, that again, Rashi seems to imply that we don't blow the shofar on Shabbos, mida Oraisa, and the Ramban points out that it's really a rabbinic rule, which is somewhat connected to certain words in the Torah. So it's the same debate, and the Ramban himself there writes, and he repeats this in his drasha on Rosh Hashanah when he deals with this issue of Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros, that Rashi sometimes uses sources, even though they're drabanan, to explain the words of the Torah. So there's not an actual halachic debate. In other words, Rashi does not think that Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros are deoraisa. He agrees that they're drabanan, but there's a methodological debate. Should someone writing a commentary on the Torah use rabbinic rules in order to explain the language of the Torah or not? And again, this is a running debate between Rashi and the Ramban that comes up in a number of places, and the Ramban is well aware of their differing methodology. So that's the first way to understand what Rashi is doing here. He does not practically disagree with the Ramban, but he's using this source, even though it's Drabanan, to explain the phrase of Zichron Trua. And this approach would also seem to answer the first question. Why didn't Rashi quote the source for Malchios? So the Re'eim in his commentary on Rashi seems to say this, and the Ramban in his drasha on Rosh Hashanah also seems to take this approach, that Rashi is only trying to interpret the psukim. He's not trying to write a comprehensive commentary telling us where all the halachas come from. So in order to explain the phrase of zichron trua, he felt like he needed to apply the concept of zichronos and shofros, but he did not have an issue which required bringing the source for malchios. So that's why Rashi omitted it. But again, it's not that Rashi thinks that zichronos and shofros are daoraisa and malchios is drabanan, which wouldn't make sense at all. It's just that in the course of interpreting the psukim, Rashi Rashi quoted the source for Zechronos and Shofros and not Malchios. So that's the first approach in Rashi. Now, the Maharal in Gur Aryeh takes basically the same approach, but a little
little bit different. He agrees that Rashi holds, like the Ramban, that Malchios, Zechornos, and Shofros is Drabanan. But the Maharal always tries to connect the Drabanan with the words of the Torah. So there shouldn't be a split between the Daoraisa and the Drabanan. And he likes to show how the rabbis are seeing the deeper meaning of the words of the Torah. So that's how he understands what Rashi is doing here. Rashi is showing us where did the rabbis come up with the notion of Zechronos and Shofros? Why would they have created those concepts on Rosh Hashanah? Says Rashi, it was not done out of the blue in a vacuum. It comes from the words of the Torah because the Torah uses a strange phrase, which is Zichron Trua. Why doesn't it call it a Yom Trua? It's a day of blowing. What do you mean a day of remembering the blowing? So that phrase, Zichron Trua, is what alerted the rabbis that the Torah wants them to set up something further, which is Zichronos and Shofros. So the rabbi's decree of Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros is not something that's standalone, that's disconnected from the way the Torah describes the day of Rosh Hashanah, but it follows directly from how the Torah sees Rosh Hashanah, and specifically the mitzvah of Shofar, because the way the Torah describes the shofar, it alludes to the need for saying these psukim. So on the deepest levels of the Torah, the malchios, zechronos, and shofros psukim are connected to the mitzvah of shofar, even though on a practical level, saying those psukim on Rosh Hashanah remains drabanan. So that's the first major way to interpret Rashi, that on a practical level, he agrees that malchios, zechronos, and shofros are only drabanan, and he's including it in his commentary on the Torah in order to explain the Psukim. And we saw that the Ramban, the Re'im, and the Maharal all understand Rashi along those lines. Now, in the Sefer Minchas Mordechai on Chumash, in Parshas Emor, so he points out that there is a problem with this because Rashi doesn't just quote this here in Vayikra, but on the Pasuk in Bamidbar, Yud Yud, which the Gemara references, Rashi again quotes this idea. And he quotes it a little differently than the Gemara says it. Rashi's version is in the free. The Torah there is talking about blowing the trumpets and it says, Utkatem you'll blow the chatzotzros, and they will be a memory in front of Hashem. Ani Hashem Elokechem, I am Hashem your God. So Rashi quotes that there's three words that are used in this Pasuk which refer to Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros. Utekatem refers to Shofros, to blow. Lizikaron refers to Zechronos. Ani Hashem Elokeichem is Malchios. So there's two things in this Rashi. First of all, the Gemara only compared Malchios to Zechronos. Rashi's version says that anywhere where there's Shofros and Zechronos, there have to be Malchios. So practically it's the same because on Rosh Hashanah we have Shofros and Zichronos. So according to Rashi, we must have Malchios. So now we do have a source in Rashi's commentary for Malchios. So it's not entirely correct that Rashi does not mention Malchios. That's only in Vayikra. But if we add in the commentary in Bamidbar, so he does include Malchios based on the Pasuk in Bamidbar, which the Gemara also used in that context. So this again indicates that Rashi does see Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros not only as a Drabanan, but as something which is rooted in the Oraisa law. Now, interestingly, in the new Chumash Gur Arya, 
they do not have this comment of Rashi in the Chumash. And the Ramban and the Maharal don't comment on this comment of Rashi in Bamidbar. So that leads me to believe that there might be two different versions of Rashi. One manuscript had the comment in Bamidbar and the other did not. And that might help explain why the Ramban and the Maharal assume that Rashi agrees that Malchios, Zechornos, and Shofros is only Drabanan if their version only had the Rashi in Vayikra. But according to the versions that have the Rashi in Bamidbar too, so it's a little harder to say that. And there are other commentators who do understand that Rashi disagrees with the Ramban and he holds that Malchios, Zechornos, and Shofros are de Oraisa. So some of this issue might come down to whether there's two manuscripts of Rashi and whether you have the Rashi in Bamidbar. But the other school of thought in Rashi is that he does disagree with the Ramban and he holds that Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros are a Deoraisa, as he says in two places in his commentary in Vayikra and Bamidbar. Now, what about the Ramban's question that the Gemara says if you have a choice between blowing the shofar or saying the psukim of Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros, you should do the shofar because it's Deoraisa and the other ones are Drabanan. So that seems to clearly say that Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros are only Drabanan. So there's a few different ways to potentially answer this question. The Taz, in his commentary on the Torah, Divrei David, and the Minchas Mordechai quotes that the Kinas Svarim, in his commentary on the Sefer HaMitzvos, Shorash Aleph, where the Ramban also discusses this. So they propose that according to Rashi, there is an obligation to say some of the Psukim, but the exact amount and the nature of the Psukim and what themes they are, the rabbis instituted. So we have this type of idea in a number of halachas. For example, the Rambam believes that there is a da'oraisa mitzvah to daven every day, but the exact nature of the davening that we have was instituted by the rabbis. So it's not fully a drabanan or fully a da'oraisa. It's a kernel of a da'oraisa law, which the rabbis then built upon and created their own structure. Likewise, there's a view that the mitzvah of Shema is the Oraisa to say some section of the Torah, and the rabbis instituted which sections we say. So there is this concept that sometimes the rabbis build upon an earlier kernel of a Deoraisa obligation. So that's how the Taz proposes that we understand Rashi's view, that there is a Deoraisa obligation to say the psukim of Malchios, Zechronos, and Shofros. That's why Rashi mentions it in his commentary on the Torah. But the details of how we do so, and certainly the brachas and musaf, and all those additional layers are all drawn. So that's what the Gemara means that blowing the shofar is da'oraisa, as opposed to the psukim, which is drabanan. It's talking about someone who's able to say the basic psukim, but they're not able to say the brachas and the musaf shmona esrei, but that is all drabanan, as opposed to the kernel of the psukim, which is da'oraisa. Now, there is an issue with this. The Taz has a slightly different version of this Rashi. So in the Taz's version, 
Rashi says, Zichron Psukim, the Torah is telling us to remember certain Psukim, Kigon Malchiosu Shofros, like Malchios and Shofros. So according to this version, Rashi is basically saying, like the Taz says, that the Torah obligation is to mention some Psukim, and then you could say that the rabbis were the one that instituted which themes and which types of Psukim to say. And in fact, that's what the Taz does say, that Rashi uses the language Kigon Malchios to tell us that the kernel of the Deoraisa rule is to say some Psukim on Rosh Hashanah, connected with the Shofar. And then the rabbis added Kigon Malchios and Shofros. Now, our version of Rashi, though, says something different. It says Zichron Psuke Zichronos Upsuke Shofros, that the Torah is telling us to say the psukim of zichronos and shofros. So that sounds less like the Taz is saying that the Torah is giving flexibility to the rabbis to determine what should be said, that all that needs to be said are some psukim. According to our versions of Rashi, he seems to be saying more explicitly that under Torah law, you must say psukim of zichronos and shofros. So now we're back to the question that the Gemara says that the psukim are only drabanan. So this doesn't totally negate the Taz's approach. You could fit the Taz's approach into our version of Rashi, or you could say that the Gemara means that the brachos are drabanan, but the psukim are doraisa, but the Taz's approach does not fit as well into our versions of Rashi as it does into his unusual version. Now, the Minchas Mordechai quotes a second approach from the Shemos Ba'aretz, from Reb Moshe Ibn Chav, in his commentary on Rosh Hashanah, Lamed Beis Amid Aleph. So he suggests that when the Gemara calls the psukim of Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros drabanan, it does not mean that it's an actual drabanan. It just means that it's not explicit in the Torah the way the mitzvah of Shofar is. So we have this idea, for example, the Rambam uses the language of Divrei Sofrim. He'll sometimes label something as words of the rabbis even though it seems that it's the Oraisa. So there's all sorts of discussion amongst the commentators of the Rambam whether it's actually the Oraisa, but since it's not explicit in the Torah, so the Rambam calls it Divrei Sofrim, or is it Jirabanan? So the Shemos Ba'aretz suggests the same approach for Rashi in this case, that the Gemara does not mean that it's an actual Jirabanan started by the rabbis. It's a rule of the Torah, but it's not explicit in the Torah. So that's why the shofar has a higher status than the psukim because it's explicit in the Torah. So if someone has a choice between the psukim or the shofar, they should go with the mitzvah of shofar because it's explicit in the Torah as opposed to the psukim. So this would also fit into Rashi's commentary. He's showing the source for the psukim in the Torah, but of course it's not explicit in the Torah. So this is another way to understand how Rashi could fit into the Gemara. Now, Rav Salavechik in Harre Kedem Chelek Aleph Simen Zayin and Rav Moshe Sternbach in Moadim Uzmanim Chelek Aleph Simen Ches. So they both suggest a very nice and simple approach for Rashi. And that is that Rashi does believe that the Psukim are Deoraisa, but only when they're combined with the Shofar. The Torah is creating a whole construct that we blow the Shofar, and together with the mitzvah of Shofar, we also say these Psukim. 
So there Rashi holds that the whole thing is da'oraisa, maybe even the brachas that we say along with the psukim. But to just say the psukim alone without the shofar, so that Rashi holds would only be a drabanan. So that explains why the Gemara says that if a person has a choice between shofar or the psukim, they should go with shofar because that's a da'oraisa even on its own without any brachas or any psukim. As opposed to the psukim which are a da'oraisa but only if they're with a shofar. If they're not with a shofar, like in that case, so then they become drabanan. So Rashi in his commentary on the Torah is referring to a case where someone is going to blow the shofar and say the psukim, the normal routine of Rosh Hashanah, and that's why he assumes that the whole thing is da'oraisa. So this is a very nice approach to explain the view of Rashi. So this is now a second group of commentators, including the Taz and the Yom Trua and Rav Soloveitchik, who do assume that Rashi practically disagrees with the Ramban, and he holds that the Psukim are Deoraisa, like the simple reading of his commentary, and there are different ways to explain how that fits in with the Gemara that calls it Drabanan. Now, this idea from Rav Soloveitchik and Rav Moshe Sternbach emphasizes how connected the psukim are with the blowing of the shofar. And this brings Rav Moshe Sternbach to a very interesting debate between the briskerov and the chazon ish. He quotes that the briskerov held that a person has to hear every word of chazar sashats of musaf on Rosh Hashanah in order to fulfill the obligation of blowing shofar as part of the Shemona Esrei. Because if they space out during the chazan's repetition and they miss words, so it's not like they're davening that Shemona Esrei. And then when they hear the shofar blow, that's separate from the Shemona Esrei, so they have not fulfilled the element of having the shofar be part of the davening. Now, I assume even the briskerov would agree that if you miss a few words, certainly some of the non-central words, that won't disrupt the person's ability to fulfill the mitzvah of shofar fully with this chazara sashatz. I assume even the briskerov means that they have to basically hear the key words, specifically the malchios, zechronos, and shofros along with the brachas. But basically, according to the briskerov, if someone spaces out during that long chazara sashatz, that could be a problem because they're supposed to hear the blowing of the shofar as part of the Shemona Esrei. And the way many shoals do that is during the chazan's repetition. So the person has to be paying attention to the chazan. Now he quotes that the chazan ish disagreed with this because he held that once a person daven musaf, so they're now obligated to hear the shofar as part of musaf. So even if they're not listening to the chazan's repetition, and in fact, even if they didn't daven with this minion, so they literally are only hearing the blowing with this minion, but so long as it's part of their overall musaf, so that's considered that the shofar blowing is connected with the Shemona Esrei. So this is a very interesting as well as practical debate between the briskerov and the Chazon Ish as to how to understand how closely connected the davening has to be with the blowing of the shofar. But either way, the overall idea is like we just said, that the psukim are connected with the shofar in terms of the fulfillment of the mitzvah and doing them alone could lessen their status as an obligation. 
So that's some of the discussion surrounding Rashi's approach. Now the Ramban offers a second approach to understand the phrase of Zichron Trua. And the way he explains this is that the Torah calls Rosh Hashanah elsewhere a Yom Trua. So that means there's a mitzvah to blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. But now the Torah is adding that through the blowing of the shofar, it gives a zichron, it brings our remembrance to Hashem. So Hashem remembers us in a positive light. So blowing the shofar, the Torah is telling us, is a very powerful mitzvah that it brings a good remembrance for us in front of Hashem. Now, says the Ramban, why do we need to be remembered by Hashem on Rosh Hashanah? So he points out that the Torah never explains the reason for the blowing of the shofar. When it comes to Sukkot, when it comes to Yom Kippur, it gives us reasons why we sit in the sukkah, why we fast on Yom Kippur, but it does not explain why we blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. And in fact, the Torah never mentions that Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment. Only in the Mishnah, in the Torah Shabal Peh, do we find this concept that on Rosh Hashanah we're judged. The Torah never talks about Rosh Hashanah as a day of judgment. So this is all a big mystery. The Torah does not explain why we blow the shofar, and it does not say that Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment. But says the Ramban, Zichron Trua is a reference to all of that. Because why do we need to be remembered for good things on Rosh Hashanah? So the answer is because it's a day of judgment. Now, how would we ever figure that out from the Sukkim itself. So the Ramban explains because we know that Yom Kippur is 10 days after Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is the day of atonement. So the calendar that we have is very sensible. It's a very logical setup that the day of judgment would be right before the day of atonement. And then people would have a week in order to repent. And then on the day of atonement, Hashem would forgive them and finalize the judgment. So the whole calendar that we have makes a lot of sense. So it makes sense that judgment day would be at some point shortly before the day of atonement. And then there's the Aseris Yimei equivalent. And then on the day of atonement is the finalizing of the judgment. So that's how we would be able to guess that Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment. And therefore we need a good Zichron. And that's all what the Torah is telling us in the phrase of Zichron Trua. That the Shofar is the tool for us to be remembered for good things by Hashem on Rosh Hashanah. So this is a very interesting approach of the Ramban and other commentators pick up on some of the points that he's making. So for example, the idea that Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment because it's before Yom Kippur. So the Ran at the beginning of his commentary on Rosh Hashanah takes a similar approach. The way he sets it up is that there is a debate between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua when the world was created. Was it in Tishrei or was it in Nisan? Now, according to the view that the world was created in Tishrei, so the Ran quotes what that really means is that it was created on the 25th of Elul, and then six days later, meaning the sixth day of creation, was the first of Tishrei. So it's not actually that the world was created in Tishrei, but the first human being was created on Rosh Hashanah. 
So it makes perfect sense that the judgment day for humanity would be on Rosh Hashanah because everything is judged on the day that it's created. That's why the crops are judged on Pesach and the fruits are judged on Shavuos and the water is judged at Sukkot because every object is judged around the season when it's being created. So too people are judged on the first of Tishrei because that's the birth date when humanity was created. But what about according to the other view that the world was created in Nisan. So why are people judged in Tishrei if they were created in Nisan? Says the Ran, like the Ramban, because Hashem wanted the day of judgment to be connected with Yom Kippur and with the process of atonement. So that's why the day of judgment, which should have been in Nisan, was moved to Tishrei, to Rosh Hashanah, in order to be connected with Yom Kippur for our good so that we would be able to atone and get a better judgment. So the Ran says the same approach as the Ramban. Now, interestingly, and this reflects an ideological debate, Rabbi Sol Salanter says basically the opposite idea. He explains that the reason Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur fall out at the same time is for the benefit of Yom Kippur, because he says that if Yom Kippur would come first on the calendar, nobody would be paying attention to the Day of Atonement. Who would be interested in their soul, in the spiritual atonement and forgiveness? People are not interested in that. But people are interested in the physical judgment of Rosh Hashanah. So people take very seriously that they want to live and that they want to have a good year and that they want all sorts of blessings and good things. So everyone gets woken up by the judgment of Rosh Hashanah and then that makes them take the day of Yom Kippur more seriously. So it's interesting that Rabbi Saul Salanter puts this the opposite of the Ramban and the Ran. They're focusing on the fact that putting Rosh Hashanah before Yom Kippur allows us to get a better judgment. Rabbi Saul Salanter is putting it the other way, that putting Rosh Hashanah before Yom Kippur wakens us up on a physical level. We get afraid of the judgment and then we're more open to doing spiritual teshuva. So again, this probably reflects a very serious philosophical debate about how to view the process of atonement and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, whereas the Ran and the Ramban seem to see it in more positive light that we're trying to get a good judgment from Hashem and get atoned for our sins. Rabbi Saul Salanter, as is his style, focuses much more on being afraid and worried about the judgment and using that to transform ourselves and become better people. That's the whole essence of the Musar movement on some level. And Rabbi Saul Salanter saw this time of year as the model for how to live a Musar life the whole year. That fear of the punishment of Hashem that transforms us and pushes us to be better. So this is an interesting debate, how to formulate the connection between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Now, the other issue the Ramban raises is why in fact does the Torah not mention the judgment of Rosh Hashanah? Why is that a secret? Why not mention it in the Torah Shebech Sav the way it is in the Mishnah? So the Maharal in Tiferes Yisrael, Perak Chav Zion, gives an interesting answer. He says that when the Torah describes the holidays, it only describes the positive aspects of the holidays. So it's not going to describe Rosh Hashanah as a day of judgment because that's scary. That's a negative on some level. That's a pessimistic day. And the Torah is trying to tell us why it's a holiday so it only focuses on the positive stuff. 
So that's why it only hints at it with zichron trua, which is the positive element that through the blowing of the shofar, we can merit to get a good judgment. So the Torah does not mention explicitly that it's a day of judgment because people are afraid of that, but it does tell us that the secret to the judgment is the zichron trua, is the blowing of the shofar. So based on this comment of the Maharal, Rav Hutner in the Pachad Yitzchak in Rosh Hashanah Maimer Chavches and Yom Kippur Maimer Yudalid, and this is all quoted in the Hadri Bakodesh commentary on the Ramban, Rav Hutner was a big fan of the Maharal, so he builds on this idea of the Maharal, and he says something interesting, that the Mishnah calls Rosh Hashanah Yom Tov Shel Rosh Hashanah, the holiday of Rosh Hashanah. Now, this is an unusual phrase because it doesn't talk about the Yom Tov Shel Yom Kippur. It doesn't talk about the Yom Tov Shel Sukkis. It just calls it Yom Kippur and Sukkis. So what does this mean, Yom Tov Shel Rosh Hashanah? So Rav Hutner says, based on the Maharal, because there's two aspects to Rosh Hashanah. One is that it's the day of judgment, but for that, we wouldn't have a holiday because that's frightening. But then in addition to it being the day of judgment, there's another element, which is the blowing of the shofar, which helps us to get a good judgment. So that's why we have a Yom Tov. The reason we celebrate is because of that second element. So unlike the other holidays that have one element on Rosh Hashanah, there's two days going on. There's the day of judgment. And then in addition, on top of that, the Torah added the day of blowing the shofar, which now became a holiday. So that's what the Mishnah is saying, Yom Tov Shel Rosh Hashanah, the Yom Tov part of Rosh Hashanah, which is the blowing of the shofar. But there's a total other aspect of Rosh Hashanah, which is the day of judgment, which the Mishnah is trying to say we're not discussing. And based on this, Rav Hutner adds very beautifully that this explains a cryptic line in this Ramban. He says, Nirmaz Bakosuv Ha'inyan, the Torah is alluding to the day of judgment of Rosh Hashanah, Kasher Noda Yisrael Mipiha Nevi'im Va'avos Kedoshim, like the Jews know by tradition from the prophets and their ancestors. Ancestors. So this is a very unusual line. What does the Ramban mean that the Jews have a tradition that Rosh Hashanah is a day of judgment, which is not explicit in the Torah, but the Torah is hinting to it? So Rav Hutner gives a great explanation that the Ramban is telling us that the Jews knew originally, even before the giving of the Torah, that Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment. The Avos knew that, the Nevi'im knew that. There were all sorts of traditions that the Jews understood that Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment. But it was not a holiday at that point because why would you celebrate the day of judgment? Now the Torah came around and it added that on that day the Jews should blow the shofar and that will give them a good remembrance in front of Hashem. So now it's a day that's worth celebrating. So that's what the Torah is adding in this phrase, that the day that you know to be the day of judgment, which is the first of Tishrei, should now be a zichron trua. We're going to add a second component that you blow the shofar, and the shofar will bring the good remembrance to Hashem, and then you'll get a good judgment. So this is a very beautiful view of the day of Rosh Hashanah, that's 
through the blowing of the shofar, we get a better judgment and that's why we celebrate. Because in fact, it is very strange. Why are we celebrating the day of judgment? Most people are afraid of judgment. They don't celebrate, but the answer is because of the introduction of the mitzvah of shofar, which gives us a good zikaron. So this is the Ramban's second understanding of the phrase of zikron trua. Now the Ramban adds seemingly a third explanation of this phrase, but it's Kabbalistic, so I'm not going to get into that. It's way above my pay grade, and I'm sure I would not even begin to understand it. But the Ramban does make a very interesting comment, which is just worth highlighting. He contrasts Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, that Rosh Hashanah is a day of din berachamim, judgment through mercy, and Yom Kippur is a day of rachamim bedin, of mercy in judgment. So it's a very interesting contrast, and Rav Hutner in the Pachad Yitzchak Yom Kippur, Maimer Chavtes, tries to explain it.